This is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Christy Hitchens talks about how and why she founded the Pink Belt Project in Australia, a scholarship for women in need, especially victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. A journalist and media officer by trade and a blogger on the side, Christy has a sprite enthusiasm about martial arts and making a difference as a martial art woman. She's a Taekwondo black belt, a karate student, and also a wife and mother. In this interview, she shares insights on why martial arts are important for women, how she overcame a physical injury to take her black belt test, and why failing is a step on the ladder to success. I'm sure her interview will inspire you to be the best that you can be and strive to make a positive difference in the world, too. I hope you enjoy. Please pick up my motivational books, The Martial Arts Woman and Martial Art Inspirations for Everyone, available on Amazon, or contact me for signed copies or more information. Check out my website, themartialartswoman.com, for additional information. Treat yourself or someone else to the power of martial arts in life. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the Martial Arts Woman podcast. Hi, Andrea. I'm so excited to chat to you. How are you going? I know. Isn't it wonderful? We're we're so far apart. Tell everybody where you're living, where you live. Uh, so I'm in Australia, in oh. Western Australia, down in the southwest corner. Okay. So we are really far apart, but how great <laughs> really is far. it? I know. And trying to figure out the times and the dates. I know. I kind of had it backwards. I, I, Well, we made it anyway. I guess that's the important thing. Um, let's start. You're doing some amazing work. You have a project we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, I like to start asking where you, why you began martial arts and how long ago it was. Okay, so it was probably, um, must be about, yeah, four years ago now. So when I think or have, about the other women that have been featured on this podcast who have been involved in martial arts for sometimes a lifetime, I feel like my experience <laughs> is really a drop in the ocean. So, yeah, only four years. So I was age 40 when I um, first stepped onto the training floor mm-hmm. and decided to give Taekwondo a go. Um, the why was, uh, probably a mixture of things. I think, uh, as I said, I just, I just turned 40. So maybe right. that had something to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I'd been watch- yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd been watching my son. Uh, he'd been doing Taekwondo for about five years. Uh, so I'd been watching him for quite a long time. The class he participated in was, um, an adults and children's class training together so there were other adults training in the class and they kind of used to egg me on a bit to try and encourage mm. me to have a go um and I guess I don't know it's it's a common experience I think when you reach that time of your life 
uh, we as a family had lost someone important to us to cancer uh, way too early in their lifetime. Um, and it just gives you that sense of um, life is short, I guess, and you need to take opportunities when they come along, try new things. Um, you can't waste your life sitting on the sidelines watching everything go by. So I think there was a bit of that involved, um, which, yeah, gave me the impetus to jump in. Yeah. Well, a lot of parents do that. Not a lot of parents, but um, there are many parents who watch their kids go through a martial art program and then decide to join. And, yeah. of course, like you talked about, we we sometimes reach an age where you say, am I doing everything that I meant to do? Am I following all my dreams and passions and creating a life that's important for me and using my time wisely. So yeah, yeah, good reasons. But I definitely wasn't using that time wisely, you know, a couple of times a week, an hour spent just sitting on the sidelines playing right. with my phone, whatever. Right. <laughs> definitely. And, definitely. Yeah, we all, we all do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all do it. We've all been there. Um, so you said that it's Taekwondo practice. And what do you think about the style itself? What what excites you about it? I think for Taekwondo, and I, I possibly only have this perspective now that I've started training in karate and I can start to understand some of the differences and nuances mm -hmm. between styles. Um, taekwondo um, I, is so athletic, um, you know, the, the specky aerial kicks, and the spins and 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 the light on your feet it's fast um yeah so i think even just from a spectator point of view it's a very exciting um sport mm. to watch um yeah so that aspect of it was both exciting and challenging as a right. martial artist <laughs> right. working towards being able to get your foot up to that kind of an angle was an interesting process yeah, for sure. And so are you also practicing karate now? Yes. Yeah, so um, I achieved my black belt in Taekwondo in December or November, December last year. Uh, and then I uh, had some injuries to recover from. And mm -hmm. then um, my son and I started karate together this year. So yeah, we sort of did the process of white belt to black belt and back to white belt again. So yeah, that's, that's, that's always fun. Yeah, really I love fun. being a white belt. I love being a white belt. I love being a beginner again. Uh, it, I think it's just fun and it's challenging and it's get, it renews your energy. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. What kind of, what kind of difference do you see? That's okay. What kind of difference do you see with, with karate from Taekwondo? So different. And I think uh, people outside martial arts, you know, tend to group them together and think they're the same. Um, but definitely the first, even the first couple of classes, I came to realise that karate is a close-in combat compared to taekwondo, which is more a further apart. Uh, mm -hmm. So having to cover that distance is the reason for the high kicks and the spins and the speed, I guess, whereas karate seems to be more close-in, um, powerful, um, distinct movements. Um so, yeah, a lot of, for me, um, going between the two, it's a bit of a challenge unlearning some of that muscle memory and then relearning things in a different way. So, but, yeah, I was just going to say earlier that, that that 
picking up on your comment about being a beginner, I think having now done that a couple of times as an adult, I think there's not very many opportunities once we become adults to be a beginner at something again. And we forget what it's like and how uh, interesting and exciting it can be. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm always encouraging people to try something new and be a beginner again. Yeah, it truly is exciting when you're a beginner at something. And martial arts is such a perfect way to be a beginner because there's so many different styles and things that you can do. Yeah. So yeah, and it I is fun. system, you know, offers you the, the incremental steps to work towards. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a perfect system really for personal development. Yeah, it truly is. And like you said, it, there's steps, there's increments, there's a way to get from here to there. And it's not one big, huge leap. You actually yes. take steps and find your direction, which yeah, is absolutely. something people don't realize. That that's one of the fears I think people have about learning a martial art, or maybe some of the fears that women have about learning mm -hmm. a martial art is they think that when they go to the class for the first couple of times, they're expected to know everything, or they're not sure what's going to happen because they're not familiar with it. So that kind of leads me. Yeah, that leads me to my to my next question, which is always a kind of a big question. And that is, why do you think it's important for women to learn martial arts? That is a big question. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so many reasons. But I think the main one is that women have um, an innate power inside them. And martial arts is a perfect mechanism to tap into that power and translate it in a physical way, which then allows them to um, develop that power into all aspects of their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so that that would be one, the main, I think, umbrella, but, you know, under under that is, is all those um, amazing benefits of martial arts generally, the the sense of empowerment, the confidence, self-esteem building, the camaraderie from um, the other women in the club, men and women, but particularly the other women in the club, um, the cognitive benefits, you know, there's so much research now around um, the, the cognitive benefits of the style of training. So, yeah, I could go on all day <laughs> about yeah, that one. There, there are so many benefits to, to martial arts. Uh, no matter what style. Uh, and I like the fact that you pointed out something that women have an innate power that's really untapped. Mm. I know one of the things I always say about martial arts is martial arts helped me recognize that I, I was so much more than I ever realized that I was. Mm. And that mm. really brings that power yes. to, to life, I guess. You recognize yeah. how much more you are. Yeah. And for you, so here you are just four years in or four, five years in, and you mentioned that a lot of the other women on the podcast have been doing martial arts for a long time. And I guess that's true. A lot of them have, but it really doesn't matter because we all have a perspective and we all have a story to tell. It doesn't matter how many years you put in. Mm -hmm. um, and you, for a very short time in martial arts, have really created some amazing projects to help others and 
I want you to talk a little bit about that. You have a project called the Pink Belt Project. So tell me about how that began and and why you started that that project. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to um, talk about this. Um, Pink Belt Project uh, provides 12-month uh, scholarships to women in need that allow them to train in the martial arts for a year at no cost, and particularly for women affected by domestic violence and sexual assault. Mm -hmm. But the reason that it started um, not long into my um, martial arts journey, my I came to realise that my training partner um, was being impacted by domestic violence. Um, okay. She disappeared from training at one point, um, sort of without explanation. And because and we were friends, I, I reached out to find out what was going on and, and came to realise this was the situation. And she'd, have, she'd left the marriage and had to set herself up independently. Um, and she, so she was on a very tight budget and she just couldn't afford to come back to training. Um, and at that time, um, having seen how much she had benefited from being at the Taekwondo club, I really wanted to find a way to help get her back there. There was a community of supportive women. She was new to Australia. She didn't have a great network of family and friends to support her. She was quite isolated. Um, she was obviously quite broken by the experience. So um, for me at that time, I felt like Taekwondo was, was really important for her. Um, you know, all the empowerment and confidence the stress relief um, and, and yeah, the, the community of people that were there to support her and encourage her and, and, and the sense of achievement and all those sorts of good mm -hmm. things that we get from martial arts. So um, Pink Belt Project really started with a tiny idea of, yeah, just wanting to help my friend. Um, I wanted to find a way to maybe fundraise to cover her fees, something like that. It was yeah. a tricky process because... Uh, she was she was quite a bit younger than me, but um, a really fierce, independent, strong woman. So I didn't for an instant want to make her feel like a charity case or or anything like that. But I really felt like this was a woman who just needed a small leg up to, you know, really take off again. Um, mm -hmm. She'd hit a road bump in her life, um, you know, a really difficult one. Um, but I really felt like it wouldn't take much to to set her back on her way and and I wanted to try and find a way to do that so it really started from yeah just wanting to raise a little bit of money to help out my friend um, but the more that I sort of spoke to people in the taekwondo community and then the wider martial arts community the more the idea sort of grew and developed wings and and just yeah. started to take flight so um, that's really yeah, awesome how did how did you reach out for um, to raise the money? How did you reach out to the martial art community to actually raise funds for first this yeah. friend of yours and then others? Yeah. Uh, so it started just as a crowdfunding campaign, mm -hmm. um, but the the main mechanism initially was the support of Australian Taekwondo, which is our peak body in Australia, and they have um, a, you know a regular contact with a large network of taekwondo clubs all around australia so they initially helped me get the word out about this fundraiser mm -hmm. but then 
very soon after the idea came about that we could encourage taekwondo clubs to offer a scholarship at their own clubs and that's really where the growth has developed so we've gone from not just taekwondo clubs to all types of traditional martial arts but instructors and clubs offering their own sponsored scholarships so now we're just in the process of receiving applications for 2021 scholarships and I've got 34 scholarships on offer for women in need um, all from clubs who have come on board and decided um, it's something that they want to be involved in and a way for them to give back and support their community so that's really been the key to the growth which has been amazing. I think the martial arts community, you know, it's what we're all about. It's not just a sport, it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any opportunity to kind of really demonstrate those martial values, um, yeah, a lot of instructors and clubs are just straight on board as soon as they hear about it. So that's been, yeah, really amazing. That is amazing. Mm. So is this only in Australia? At the moment, it's mostly in Australia. I've actually got two clubs in the US who have um, come on board and are offering scholarships. So um, there's a little bit of a trickle outside our boundaries. Yeah, (laughs) well, maybe this is starting to catch on. Yeah, maybe this podcast will ignite a few uh, ideas here in the States. We'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, what are so what are the criteria for the recipients? of the scholarships? So I generally say that it's women in need, but as mm-hmm. I mentioned, I particularly try to help women affected by domestic violence and sexual assault, mainly because yeah. I think they're in a position to benefit the most from the style of training. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly there's a range of other reasons that women might be needing um, yeah. something to make them feel empowered again. Um, so... The criteria is quite broad. Um, in the in the space of, of women affected by domestic violence, I guess it's it's quite a specific specific type of woman that we're looking for. Um, sometimes um, women are still too embedded in in a traumatic situation to be able to really benefit yeah. from something. Yeah. Or be able to commit to something like this that's, you know, 12 months of training. So we're really looking for those women who have come out the other side. They're perhaps in safe housing. They may have um, started new employment, something like that. But they're looking for something to to grab onto and help move them forward um, in a positive way. And and they're the ones that, that really benefit and are in the best mm-hmm. position to take advantage of it. I see. So are the scholarship applications open certain times of the year or can they apply throughout the year? I've tried to keep it. uh, So there's sort of a cycle. I start fundraising Mm -hmm. in about July each year and then I open scholarship applications in October uh, and they're about to close again in a couple of weeks with a view to all the scholarship recipients starting their training in January. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. It gives a nice cycle to the whole process Mm. i'm sure we get really overwhelming if it was any time but um, that's true (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that's a great way to keep it organized anyway yes yeah Um, apart from covid that's yeah yeah a little bit the cycle this year but that's okay yeah i bet i bet well you know the pink belt 
project is really amazing. I think it'll continue to grow and you're certainly helping so many women and you're helping martial arts too. You're showing people that martial arts are a way to improve your mental and physical health. So very important yeah, information think, too. Yeah. In Australia, I, I'm not sure if it's still the case in the United States, but I feel in Australia there's still quite a bit of um, uh, stereotypes and myths that surround mm-hmm. um, training in the martial arts, um, which limit people's ability to benefit from it. So yeah. anything that raises awareness about um, its benefits to all kinds of people um, is definitely needed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think I've, I've found it wasn't necessarily something that I've struggled with, but I've seen other women struggle with mm-hmm. that idea that of them being allowed to show that side of themselves, that aggressive yeah. side that allows them to, you know, punch a target really hard or kick something. Or at first they kind of struggle with, with being able to um, perform that kind of a task. But once they do, yeah. <laughs> they realise <laughs> what an amazing feeling it is and, and it becomes quite addictive. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Same happened with me when I began. I, you know, I just wasn't sure about hitting things and kicking and breaking boards and punching and yelling and uh, because I was raised not to do all of those things. So it definitely is a little bit of a shift in your mindset. Definitely. Yes. So I'm sure that martial arts and your pink belt project are not the only things that you do. Um, I know you have a blog. We're going to talk about that in a second. But what about your your family and professional life? How do you fit all of this in? Um, tell us a little bit about your family and, and your professional life outside of martial arts and outside of the project. It's definitely a struggle. And I think uh, most people can relate to the, the juggle that goes on with family and work and especially if you try and add in a few other aspects. Yeah, but, um, yeah I have a um, wonderful supportive husband uh, and two children, both teenagers now. Um, I have a son who's 13 and a daughter who's almost 15. Um, and yeah, my day job, I'm a journalist by trade, so I always think of myself as a writer, but these days Mm -hmm. I work, uh, in local government, um, and, um, am a media officer. So I write stories for the website and, and coordinate the communications for our local government area. It's a job I really enjoy because it's very local and grassroots. You feel like you're sort of making a difference in your local area. So, um, I definitely enjoy my work um yeah and then obviously my yeah. own track and <laughs> pink belt stuff around that so right yeah well that's really great uh, I love writing myself and so it sounds like you kind of have a win-win with your professional life your family and and now your martial arts and and the extra work that you do for the pink belt project you also and I think uh, when I first met you, you were pretty active in your blog. Um, tell us a little bit about your blog and the name of it and, and the background behind it. Yeah, so um, always very inspired by the work that you were doing. Um, fairly soon after I started Taekwondo, somebody put me onto your blog and, and mm. found it yeah, so amazing what you were doing and, and it kind of, um, yeah, I, I think I was experiencing so many 
um, internal changes with my training that as a writer it felt natural to kind of write about the experience. Um, I'd always had a bit of a professional curiosity about blogging mm-hmm. um, and but, you know, never really had anything in particular that I felt like I was passionate enough to want to write about. So um, I did start blogging. Um, I called it the mortal mouse taekwondo blogger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted a sort of quirky name, but it it sort of came from I used to be a freelance writer and I had a, a quirky name called Brown Mouse Communications because okay. my maiden name is Brown. <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> it was just a quirky, funny little name. So the mortal yeah. mouse sort of came from that and I've, I, I was probably kind of channeling a little bit of Mortal Kombat and <laughs> pulling all those funny things together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love the blogging. I, I was quite blown away by um, the community of like-minded people that I found out there who could relate to my journey. As you said, so many parents have watched their children and then decided to jump in and have a go. So um, part of the joy of the writing was just that I'd found this community of people who could totally relate to the journey that I was on. So it was a really nice way to be able to share that with other people. Um, So the blogging was, yeah, a really um, interesting and exciting part of the initial journey. And it's, I've had to slow it right down, unfortunately, because Pink Belt Project has, has grown so much that I just I couldn't keep all the balls in the air. So right, um, right. I've, I've pulled back quite a bit on the blogging, yeah. which I was, I've been a bit sad about. But it, it's always there, I figure, and it's something that I can do again in the future if, if the call comes. Um, right. But in the meantime, I feel like my energies are better spent um, with the project. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you definitely have to prioritize. And a blog is always there. You can always go back to it at any time and resurrect True. it. You know, it's waiting there yes. for you. So it's I go through phases. Watch... Go ahead. Sorry, go on. Um, it's been amazing to watch how your blog has evolved into so many, you know, now it's a podcast as well. And, you know, so yes. from your, yeah, speaking in your books to your blog to a podcast, the way it's evolved. I know, right? <laughs> adaptable, it's, that's what you have yeah, to be. <laughs> yeah, I am adaptable. And the blog is, a blog is so versatile. People don't always realize how versatile it really is. You can, it can be like a journal, which I use it for sometimes. It can be like, uh, you know, a how-to um, it can it can house your your podcasts and give people information about who you've interviewed. So it, it has definitely morphed over time, and I still appreciate all the aspects of it. And I try to still write some of the philosophical stories that I like to to write. But like you, the podcast is very time consuming, so it's difficult mm-hmm. for me to just sit and write something philosophical um, yes. in the in the interim. But anyway, you've come such a long way and and are doing so many fascinating projects. So I think it's really uh, awesome and you're and you're really a role model for women who want to learn martial arts. You show that martial arts can be more than just a physical exercise. It's that, it's self-defense, it's so much, but then you can take it and really do something to change the world and that's to me one of the most amazing things about martial arts. Mm. So tell me about your, we're going to step back in time again. We kind of went, move forward. Now I'm going back, but tell me a little bit about your black belt test, because I know 
it wasn't easy for you for several reasons. And tell us a little bit about about that test and what you had to deal with in your training at the time and how you overcame that. Yeah, okay. Um, probably the initial task, I think, was was um, picturing myself as a black belt when I very first started my training. And we spoke earlier about the little incremental steps being a really useful way to progress through the martial arts. When I very first started, I, I could never picture myself as a black belt. I couldn't um, bring myself to, to look at that as a goal because it just felt too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I never really thought of myself as, as working towards a black belt or like could focus on was the very next stripe on my belt or the very next colored belt or, or whatever was the next step ahead of me. So um, that initially was, was a process being able to um, develop um, the mindset that would allow me to um, think of myself as a black belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I guess taking up, something like this at age 40 can have its uh, issues um, and probably I think it was about four months before my black belt test uh, I developed a back injury and um, it there was a lot of pain. Um, I could still train but um, it was sort of constant aching. Sometimes it would spasm. Um, it was really making the training very difficult but I sort of managed it. I, you know, I did all the things that you should do. Went to a physio, um, had an amazing remedial massage therapist in our club who was wonderful. So I sort of kept persevering. But what I, looking back on it now, what I realised happened is prior to um, my black belt test, I, I was doing a range of training. So I was doing Taekwondo a couple of times a week, but I was also doing like a boot camp style class, boxing, running, you know, a good mixture, whereas leading up to the test for about four or five months before, I dropped everything else and was just doing Taekwondo every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turns out, the manoeuvre that was causing me an issue was a spin hook kick. Mm-hmm. So it was that twist um, action that you need to perform to to complete a spin hook kick. And, and the injury that I have in my back um, is is actually called a fast bowler's injury. So it's that sort of movement. Um, but the muscle, uh, what happened was I tore a muscle in my back. So it's called the quadratus lumborum. And it's a massive big muscle that anchors from the bottom of your ribs right down to your pelvis. Mm. So I tore it just under my rib cage. But it wasn't a kind of sudden tear. It was more a sort of over time, you know, repeat use kind of injury. Um, but the worst part was that um, sometimes it would it would spasm, and that actually happened on the morning of my black belt test. Uh, so, which Yikes. was <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely how I expected the day to go. I, I felt like I had it all under control and everything was good, and I just bent over to pick up something off the floor that morning, and and everything seized up. I just felt it go right up from my hips, right up to my yeah. shoulders everything sees up and I looked over at my husband and I'm sure the colour all drained out of my face because <laughs> yeah. uh, our black belt tests only come up every six months and and I for a, a, a very tiny instant I thought oh gosh I'm not I'm not going to be able to do this but um, 
my husband was amazing. He sort of flew into action and realised that, you know, there wasn't really going to be any talking me out of it. So it was going to be just how do we get through this day? Right. <laughs> in the best, with the best possible outcomes. So, uh, um, yeah, the, the, we went, we had to travel a couple of hours to where our, the test is undertaken and, and it's a really long day. So there's lots of students to get through. And so there was several hours of just sitting on a wooden floor waiting for our turn trying to stay stretched and yeah. warm and keep this spasming back um, in check. Um, but, again, looking back on it, it was such an eye-opening experience because I remember uh, lining up for my turn, standing in front of our grandmaster with, you know, a heap of other students and just thinking, I literally don't know how I'm going to do this. I can hardly oh. move. Oh, and I'm, I'm looking down the barrel of having to, perform you know multiple spin hook kicks tornado kicks to be thrown on the ground you know all the self-defense um sparring but it seemed like in the blink of an eye it was over and I'd done it (laughs) completed everything I needed to do and and it made me realize that um sensation that people talk about with adrenaline um how it's it's really (laughs) an actual thing um that's I presume what kicked in adrenaline kicked in and and I didn't even I don't recall even thinking about my back for the next hour or so until it was over and there's actually a fantastic photo that my husband captured uh, because my son um, went for his second Dan black belt on the same day so there's this fantastic photo of him on my back and I'm carrying him around like a piggyback (laughs) and then because he's like mom can I get on your back and I said sure and then you know half an hour later I'm sort of hobbling over crippled trying to walk to the car but at the time the yeah the adrenaline and excitement numbed the pain and and we got through it but yeah then I spent about three months trying to recover (laughs) (laughs) yeah you paid the price afterwards but hey you did it right you persevered yeah I'd do it again tomorrow (laughs) right uh, that's so amazing and I guess yeah the adrenaline really is an amazing is an amazing thing when you need it well, you overcame that and I'm sure you overcome many things in your life um, how do you use a martial art mindset in your life these days outside of martial arts you know overcoming obstacles in some way or uh, just Im- improving yourself or, or what are some of the ways that you think you use this mindset of persevering in your life yeah I think um learning the the value of perseverance has been a, a massive thing um I feel like now that I've come to realize that that not succeeding the first time or, or failing is really just a step on the the ladder to success mm-hmm. and and definitely the black belt test was testament to the fact that um it's overcoming the things or the obstacles along the way which make that victory or achievement at the end so much sweeter um so definitely being able to apply that sort of mindset in my work life family life too mm-hmm. um definitely pays off you uh, you know again that black belt test was a really clear example for me that you just really don't know what you're capable of until you put it all on the line, like everything on the line mm-hmm. and really 
commit yourself to something. Um, as I said, when I started, I, I literally couldn't picture myself as a black belt. I, I would watch the other students and think, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I just don't have that in me. But, you know, you keep working at something. Um, someone I admire very much says that, you know, you don't have to be the most talented at something. You just have to be the most determined. Yeah. Um, and that I have found to be most definitely true. So kind of related to that thinking, I guess, is realising that um, the real magic for life is living outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And, and I think particularly as adults, we, we're all doing some form of a juggle and it's just easier to perform that juggle or it seems easier inside the comfort zone um, and, you've, and you, you get comfortable there and you forget um, how amazing it can be to, to push yourself and achieve something. So, um, yeah, realising that um, when something becomes uncomfortable or challenges you, that direction is not necessarily the best approach that you've got to kind of sit with that discomfort and work through it because on the other side uh, is something that will really surprise you um, and that's definitely something I've had to work through with Pink Belt Project. I, I started with something so small just wanting to help a friend um, but now here here I am finding myself mm-hmm. having lots of media coverage, podcast interviews and, and having to be out front of something which is not at all in my comfort zone um, as a journalist I'm used to working behind the scenes and shining the light on other people it's very difficult to put myself out the front of something um, uh, yeah but again that's a good point <laughs> out of the comfort zone <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but you know what we learn the most we grow the most when we move outside the comfort zone I was always one until my early 20s to always want to be in the comfort zone and mm-hmm. recognize that I was only ever average because of it. I, I didn't feel unique or special. I just, I felt average until I learned martial arts and recognized that I wasn't average. I had skills and talents that mm-hmm. I, I just, I knew maybe in the back of my mind were part of me, but I never was willing to challenge myself. So it is definitely something that martial arts um, they, they always push you into discomfort while you're learning and practicing and testing. And you learn a, a true life lesson, I think, from all of that. Definitely. And, yeah, ripples yeah. into all aspects of your life for sure. Yeah. Well, to close out our uh, interview today, I'd like to ask you a little bit about maybe what you would what kind of advice you would give to a woman interested in learning martial arts? I, I ask this in almost every interview, and it's always interesting to hear what advice somebody would give, especially since maybe you've been in martial arts a little less time than some. Uh, maybe it's still fresh in your mind what kind of advice you gave to yourself, but what, what would you say to a woman interested in learning a martial art? Um. Probably a couple of things. Uh, I think I would say don't settle on a particular style, settle on a club. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in starting martial arts, explore a couple of different clubs and find a club that has a culture that you enjoy and appreciate uh, and feel comfortable in. 
Um, that might be a club with, you know, a group of other women already training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think that would be the first thing would be to explore other clubs, mm-hmm. um, find where you would fit. Um, the second aspect, I think, is just to try and shake off all that negative talk and, and yeah. <laughs> limiting beliefs that we kind of turn up to new things with um yeah allow yourself to be a beginner again like we yeah. talked about and, and enjoy that experience and appreciate it um don't be in a hurry um be patient with yourself and yeah sit yeah. in the discomfort <laughs> because there's magic ahead <laughs> right <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel there's there's, uh, there's something special you know there's a reward and it's mm. it's personal to each person who practices martial arts and so yeah that's great advice well Christy it's been really fun talking to you I'm so glad we had this opportunity and I love your accent I I love talking to people in Australia just because of the accent and um, so it, it was a lot of fun though and you're just chock full of information and so vibrant and 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 oh, so determined so- you're welcome and so determined to to make a difference which is really something awesome that i love to celebrate so thank you i hope you had fun and i had um, a brilliant time thank you so much i really value the opportunity to like i said talk about the project but just to yeah chat with you because i've i've followed your work for so long we've worked on an article together before mm-hmm. so um yeah it was really quite a thrill to be able to chat to you and um <laughs> participate in your podcast Yeah, well, I truly appreciate it. So have a wonderful rest of the day. It's night here, it's day there. Um, Yes. So enjoy your day and and thanks again. I'll let you know when it's posted and and we'll go from there. Lovely. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye, Christy. Bye.